Well, good morning to you all, and uh, appreciate that, gentlemen. That was definitely a message and song. I appreciate songs that are not only Christ-glorifying, Christ-honoring, but have a message in it, and that certainly did, and uh, that uh, really that spoke to me, that's for sure. I pray it speaks to all of us. Just uh, by way of introduction, some of you do know me, some of you don't. Um, very good friends with Pastor Tim, a lot of people here. Um, but uh, we go back a long way. Uh, I was his assistant at Breen Baptist Church uh, for a time and um, enjoyed that time. Became very close to him, being his assistant. And uh, we've, been, we've been friends ever since then, been close friends. He has helped me through a lot as far as being, uh, knowing what the ministry is about, knowing uh, what I should do, how I should respond. And he did that not so much by counsel, but by example, his, his example. And you've got a great man here, and uh, he, he's paid me to say all of this, so I'll just... <laughs> but uh, no, you do. You have a great pastor who loves you, and I know you love him. And uh, the Lord's blessed him, blessed you, and uh, it's good to see the work going on here at Little Sandy, and uh, a place where, you know, I'll tell people, say, yeah, Pastor Tim Wright, is that Little Sandy Baptist Church, backside Greenup, and they'll say, where's that at? And so, uh, but anyway, uh, a good secret to be kept, but, but also to be known at the same time. But uh, have a disclaimer for you. Since I, uh, actually two disclaimers. One is if I say something stupid or make you mad, uh, don't, don't give that, don't take that on Pastor Tim. It's not his fault. So he'll still be my friend anyway. Uh, he's such, such a loving guy that way. But also, uh, if you would, turn into Mark chapter 1. We'll be looking at Mark chapter 1. The other disclaimer is this, is that we've got a few verses to read of this chapter. We're not reading all the chapter, but you're going to look at it after you get done and say, well, you're, uh, you might as well have read all the chapter, brother. So, but uh, what we're speaking about this morning, what I think the Lord has laid on my heart, and hopefully will speak to you as it's spoken to me, is this passage we're going to look about, look at. So, uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate Pastor Tim the opportunity that I can be here and uh, minister and serve the Lord. That's that's the main purpose. I want Him to receive the glory and everything. Mark chapter 1, the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, looking and starting at verse 14, we'll begin there. If you'll follow along, it says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the ship with the hired servants, and went after him. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes. And there was one in the synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? 
Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, he cried with a loud voice and he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they had questioned among themselves, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits that they do obey him? And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came back, and took, and he came and took her by the hand, and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers' diseases, and cast out many devils. And he suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, for that I may preach there. For therefore came I forth. And he preached there in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Whew. Okay, I know what you're saying, but that's it. But uh, 25 verses, just or give or take. But uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing upon the reading of his word. Lord, we are thankful, as it's already been mentioned, thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ, for him loving us to lay down his life for us, being the good shepherd that he is and that he was, and giving us hope, eternal hope, it's only through him. Lord, we just ask now that your blessing would be upon your word. And Lord, our hearts would be stirred to know thee and know thee better. And Lord, as has already been mentioned as well, if there be anyone today that doesn't know Christ as their very own Savior, may they be brought to that saving knowledge and know that they have their sins forgiven. They can be pardoned. They can have eternal life through him. And Lord, they can be justified and be right with God. Lord, I pray that you'll Help us today and help us as Christians to be challenged, Lord, with what is set forth here and what you're showing us. We ask these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever thought about when you read the Gospels, especially this passage here, have you ever thought about what the people saw when Christ was there? The miracles, the works of God, the lame being made to walk again. The blind giving sight, the people who were deaf could hear, the dumb speak, that is, those who couldn't speak before. All those things, these things, it must have been something quite a sight. And not only that, to see the sinless Son of God walking before them in his perfect humanity, robed in flesh, but yet God himself. Two natures and one, yet all equal. That's hard for us to see, figure that out, but I can imagine what that was like at that time. 
We imagine, I'm sure, maybe you've done it before, thought about that, I've thought about it quite a bit. You know, I like to be in there at that time when Jesus was walking the earth, but, you know, God has put us here at this time for this particular purpose, that we would serve him, that we would glorify him, that we would tell others about him and give the message. So, so much for that. But anyway, indeed, the people saw a great light, and they saw great works and great miracles of Christ and what he did. But it wasn't so much only what they were to see as much as they were to hear. That is to hear what he had to say. John brings it out in John chapter 3. He says, you know, and and the light has come into the world. And that's true. But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Sometimes the people didn't want to hear what he had to say, but they were glad to see the miracles Because they were manifested for them. Kind of like what the world is today. We like to be entertained. We like to see the things. The things that are fascinating. Well, it's no different then and no different now, so to speak. Now, what was important was what we see here about the earthly ministry of Jesus. When he first came onto the scene, the very same thing is important here. Because it's very clear what it is. We find it all throughout this passage we just looked at. There's some emphasis given here of what is important to God. What was important to the Son of God. And what was important at the very beginning of his ministry, was important in the midst of his ministry, was also important at the end of his ministry as well. In this passage of Scripture, though, we don't see it until about the very end of our reading. Look at the end of verse 38. Look what he says there. For therefore came I forth. For therefore came I forth. Jesus says in Luke 19, then, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Even in Mark's own gospel, chapter 10, verse 45, says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to give his life, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. For many. So we see the purpose and the goal, but... Jesus says something here in the very same parallel passage in Luke chapter 4, verse 43. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And then John eighteen thirty seven reminds us as he's standing before Pilate, as he gave him the purpose and a calling, why God the Father sent him here, why he was brought here. He says, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. No matter what gospel preaching, Bible-believing church a person may be attending today, not only this church, but any church here in America and all throughout the world, the message... And the importance of the message is still the same. If a church, a called out assembly, believes that the gospel is the power of God and salvation, then certainly we must understand that how important it is not only today, not only back then, but always will be as long as God wants it to be. It will be the the message, just as important then, carries the same clear message and importance today. Think about this. Is the same, this same message that Jesus is giving the one we call our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
This message that was about him, his death, his burial, his resurrection. The gospel. It says, repent ye, believe the gospel, the good news. This message which drew us to salvation in him, our faith in him, from our wicked sins. We don't like to admit that a lot of times, but we are black-hearted sinners. We needed his salvation. But it brought us to that point. Is this same message that was given them, the same message that drew us to him at the moment of salvation, is it still the same message that we value today when we first receive Christ as our Savior? Oh, there was a time. Can you think back at the time? How many years has it been for you as you're thinking there, sitting in your seat, wondering, I remember when I was saved. That's great. Don't ever forget it. Don't forget when you came to the cross. Because you want everything's leveled at the cross. Racism. Social economic status. Doesn't matter what you are. Everyone's a sinner and everyone needs to be saved. Everyone needs Jesus Christ as their Savior. The whole world does. Not only then, but now. You know, here's the thing. If churches across this nation, this great nation we still call it, if we don't value the gospel like we ought to, like it ought to be valued. We don't value the message that has to be preached, has to be taught. If we don't value that, then I'm afraid there will never become, there will never come a revival which we say we long for, which we talk about, which you say we need so desperately. See, the message is very clear. Jesus gave it here. We see it all throughout this. Think of his very own words that he said there at the end of verse 38. For therefore came I forth. What's he trying to tell us here? We see in this passage, first of all, the priority given. Jesus gives a priority. It's very clear where the emphasis is given in this passage. The emphasis is given also in all the gospel records. You see it also in Matthew and Luke as well, but John, it's there as well. The emphasis, the priority given to the message. Look again at the verses. We're not going to read all of them, but look again as we are reminded of those. Verse 14, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, we know the context of the gospels, what Romans 1.16 says. Now, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first, and then the Greek. Well, that's who it was given to. But God knew in his, his great eternal plan that eventually it was going to be Gentiles are going to be brought in. And we all ought to be very thankful that Gentiles were brought into God's eternal plan. Why? Because that's all of us. All of us. We're sitting here because people were responsible to getting out this message way back then. We were talking about the Apostle Paul in Sunday school class, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And, you know, Apostle Paul was, was, was used greatly by God. Had he not been, you know, God would have used, found somebody else. But think about, I, I think about it quite often, me sitting in church. I, I'm, I'm here because of him and people who he passed the message on to. It was very clear. Important, the priority. The priority of the message was preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. We see that through this, through this passage. Look at, look at verse 21. 
It says, and they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes. And then verse 37 again. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. The priority. Clarence Sexton says this, When God makes an emphasis in, the word, in his word, that is the very same place we should be making an emphasis. So if the priority is that we're to preach the gospel, if we're to, we're to give it, understand something. Preaching the gospel is just not from behind the pulpit. It's every Christian's responsibility. It's my responsibility. And you know what? I fail at it often just like you do. We all do. But it's nevertheless, the priority is still there. It's a high priority. As soon as Jesus came out of the wilderness, he began preaching the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. As soon as he left the temptation of the devil. Forty days, forty nights. A hungered, weak. He came out. Started preaching, proclaiming the message. And this was the first thing that people needed to hear. Now understand something. John was already preaching the same message. What happened to John? John was shut up in prison. Why? Because he had said it himself in John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. His ministry was over. But the message wasn't. The priority of the message, the, the importance of it was not over. He had to continue to preach. And Christ carried that through. It's the main reason why he came to this earth. That's what he says in verse 38. For therefore came I forth. Say, well, yes. But wasn't he perfect in all his ways? Didn't he live a perfect life? Wasn't he taken to the cross where he bled and died for our sins and on the third day, he rose from the grave triumphantly. Yes, all that's true. That's the message of the gospel. But the gospel is no good to anybody unless it's told. It has to be preached. It has to be taught. It has to be given. So we see the urgency and priority that he gives here. His doctrine astonished the people. Verse 22 tells us that. It had authority, unlike the no good for teachers, the scribes, and the Pharisees, and all the other ones that tried. You know, they tried to give the law, but they tried to interpret it in their own way, and he came to correct that. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? You have heard it said, but I say unto you, you have heard that it was said. This is what's been told unto you, but I say unto you, this is how it's supposed to be interpreted. This is how it's supposed to be given. This is the direct line, word of God. This is God's revelation to you, and I'm giving it to you. Christ had to correct that, unfortunately. It didn't start out that way, but it became that way, unfortunately. We think about the time when Jesus walked the earth. We think when, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them which were under the law. That's us. But he sent him at the correct time. And, buddy, they really needed it at that time because the teaching was so lame, so terrible. So he spoke with authority. He spoke that astonishment to them because they never heard it said like this. He spoke with authority. How does he speak with authority whom they never heard before? But now they hear and they're like, wow, this is, wasn't something different. It was supposed to be the same thing they've heard before. It just was very fresh to them. They were supposed to continue to say all those things. One town wasn't good enough, in verse 38. 
He wasn't just happy to settle there. Other people need to hear this message. Other people need to see the priority and all that it was. It was important to God. Then likewise, it ought to be important to us. We ought to see that. The preaching of the cross is always going to be the main thing. That's why we have churches. If a church is not preaching the gospel, if it's not teaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then it's not really fulfilling its function, fulfilling its mission and commission that Christ had given him, given disciples long ago. It takes priority in everything we do. Think about that. Say, oh, yes, yes, brother, it's, it's good that we have it on Sundays and we have it on Wednesdays and, and we're preaching and we're teaching, not just in our church services, in our lives. It ought to take priority in our lives. Whether you're retired, where you're working, whether whatever you're doing, wherever we're at, you say, well, you're, it's easy for you to say because you can stand up here and preach about it. Hey, it's a lot easier to preach about it than to do it. It is. Anyone can say that who's been behind the pulpit or behind a, a stand teaching, it's easier to teach those things than to practice it. Why? Because you have to follow through with it. I have to do it more. I like everybody else has to do more. It has to be a priority. You know, when uh, I'm a pharmacist and I work for an independent pharmacy, and when I call it, I believe it's uh, who my wife, the organization my wife works for, I better not really say because I don't want her to get blasted by anybody, but it's KDMC. When I call them, I call them, and usually the Ohio doctors, not so much the Kentucky doctors, but the Ohio doctors, when I call them, we don't get a direct line. We get the Access Center, which is a national. And what they do is, if it's something, and it's usually a clarification or a prescription, uh, most prescriptions today are not called in, not brought in, it's e-scribed. And that's through the Internet. So and that's another story, but I won't get off on that rabbit trail. But anyway, we get these, get these things that, that are kind of confusing in directions. There's, there's two different directions in, um, in one SIG, as we call it. And we have to clarify, well, how, what, what do they mean by this? We can't put them both on there. It would be confusing to, to the patient. And usually when we ask a patient, if we haven't heard back from the doctor, well, we're waiting for them to, to call back. What did it, do you know how you're supposed to take it? No, I, I don't know how to take it. So, so which is like, oh, well, we've got to wait. We've got to wait as much as we hate to make them wait. But, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll try their best, especially the person I speak to over at the Access Center, try their best. If it's something I need to have right now, they'll try their best to call the office. A lot of times they don't get it. They'll get, a, they'll get a voicemail or they won't pick up the phone. They're busy. They're working. I get that. I understand that completely. We all are. So they'll say, well, I'm going to mark this high priority. I want to make this a note, this message a high priority. Not like all the other messages, because if they just see messages up there, they're going to pick the first one they see. But they see something marked a high priority, that lets them know that they have to look at this right away. You say, well, is, is what you want is high priority? Well, if the person's waiting, yeah, it is. We don't want to make them wait any longer than they have to. They already waited long enough in the doctor's office. We try to make the time short, dry. doesn't always work out that way. But it's marked high priority. Think about that. Christ saw the high priority of preaching the gospel. Himself, this was God in the flesh. The high priority is still there for us, for you and I, to give out the message, to be the Christians that God wants us to be, that He saved us to be, witnesses of His glory, of His majesty, as it says so often. You know, if... I were to have some very important news for you. And I was a good friend of yours. 
and I didn't share it with you, would you be upset with me? You would say, yes, I would be. Rightly so, you should be. We have the most important news, not only of our own lives, but the lives of other people. And we need to be sharing it with others. We need to make it a high priority. It has to become our life. If it doesn't, well, we fail. We fail. If it doesn't become priority, then what is our priority? Worse yet, what's replaced that priority? I'm giving the message out. Another thing we see here is the place given. We see here the order of the message. Why? Because we know what the priority is. The priority is getting the message out, speaking the truth, seeing people's lives change. But the order has been given as well. Again, let's look at some verses there. Verse 23, the Bible says, And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they all, they all were astonished, or all were amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, what is, thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For, for with authority commandeth he, even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. We see the order here. Look at verse 28, reading on. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region of Galilee, and forthwith, when they come out of the synagogue, they enter into the house of Simon, and Andrew, and James, and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto him. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of divers diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And then look at verse 38 again. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For Therefore came I forth, and he preached in the synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. So we see something here. We see the place that's given. We see the healing of diseases, of sicknesses. We see the devils that are cast out, the unclean spirits, people who are demon-possessed, people who are bound in chains, People who needed to be set free, set at liberty. And he set them at liberty. He set them free. You say, well, I wonder how long some of those were possessed. I don't know, but I think just one day would be bad enough for me. Nevertheless, he set them free. He did not have a respect to persons. But the Bible does say he healed many. He cast out many, not all. Why are you trying to make that a point? Here's the point. Jesus' ministry was not a healing ministry. I know that's going to blow some people's minds, but it wasn't. What we see here, the priority and the place given, what was given first, he preached the gospel. What was secondary was the miracles. The miracles authenticated 
his message. It was who he was. But unfortunately, the people were awed by that. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? Read John chapter, read John chapter 5. Read the feeding of the 5,000. You know what was great about that? It was wonderful because all those people were fed and many more that the Bible doesn't count, take account for. And there was some left over, much left over. He supplied the need. The problem is people continue to follow him, not because of who he was, not because that this miracle was supposed to draw them to the light. They were drawn to the miracle. They were drawn to him. And he knew it. He knew their hearts. And he spoke against it and told them directly. He didn't mince his words, didn't sugarcoat it. He gave it to them. The preaching and teaching takes the priority. The secondary is what comes after it. He said, well, what does that mean? And we, we don't see miracles today. I want you to turn, if you would, if you don't mind, turn over to Luke chapter 4, if you would. Well, come right. I just want, to, want you to see something in case somebody tries to, try to debate me about what Jesus' purpose was and his ministry. We see something here. Really in about the same context, the same passage, the same timeline, recorded in Luke's gospel. Verse 18, Luke chapter 4, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight of the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And all eye, all the eyes, and the eyes of all of them were in the synagogue, fastened on him. And he began to say to, unto them, "This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears, not in your sight, but your ears." Now, they didn't like that. We know the story goes on. They didn't like that. So, well, wait a minute. You just read it. It came to heal the brokenhearted. Wait a minute. To give sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Isn't that a healing ministry? Folks, that's spiritual. That's speaking of spiritual. Go back and read Isaiah. That's what he's quoting from. He's fulfilling what Isaiah had already prophesied about him. It's all spiritual. See, but didn't he heal people of their physical needs? Yes, but those people were made whole in their hearts. Remember, he asked in John, "Wilt thou be made whole?" Yes, they want to be made whole, but they were not made whole just on the outside. They were made whole on the inside. Why? Because of their faith. Remember the woman who laid down on the ground, and all she could do is touch the hem of his garment. But it was the best thing she could do, but she knew she, he could heal her. Nobody else could. It was faith. It was faith. And the message of the gospel had to be preached first. The miracles were secondary. As we're turning back to Mark chapter 1. Why is it that Jesus pressed or placed an emphasis, a priority on preaching? That the preaching is needful. Why is it that churches across this great nation of ours allow so little time for it? Don't misunderstand me. Make sure you hear me correctly because I don't want you throwing stones at me, okay? The singing, the announcements, the fillers to the services. 
I'm not against singing. I love singing. I'm not against special music. I, I love special music of any kind, whether it be a choir, special group, anything. But we have so much time for that. Then, after all that's done, soon, a lot of times we see, and I've seen it. I've seen it. Remember, I, I pastored for about nine years, so I know. But you see people start to look at their watches or turn around look at the clock. What time is it? You've got your 20 minutes, brother. Make sure you say it in 20 minutes. I've heard that before all my life. I've heard it in the past. I haven't heard it recently, but a person can't say something in 20 minutes. He doesn't really, can't say anything at all. Was Jesus held to that same standard, you think? That blows my mind. But we allow so little time for what he gave priority. He said, I'm sent forth to preach. To give the gospel. To give the truth. So people's lives will be changed. So they'll come and see me. Not everybody would. Praise the Lord, there are some. There were many. What about when we hear about churches who have, not against singing, but have gospel sings, but don't have preaching? Where is that allowed at in Scripture? If you're going to have a church service, have preaching in it. That's what we see in the Scripture. We've become, we've become inundated with entertainment nowadays. Praise and worship teams. They become the focal point of the platform rather than, than Christ himself. So, oh, but you don't know. You can't judge them because they're lifting up Christ. They're, they're singing about it. There's a message. Yes, that may be true. But the problem is, is that we put emphasis on those things. And because we put emphasis on those things, we have bought into a worldly philosophy some people will even say well that, that church is doing it. it must be okay when are they the standard all right there's the standard thus saith the lord we don't follow that folks we might as well just close the books up close the doors lock them and don't ever come back this is the standard this is why we preach what we preach this is why we teach what we teach because God's word is true. God's always about truth. He's about getting into people's lives and saving them and healing them and bringing them to the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are we supposed to be people of the word or people of the culture? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a medical doctor before he was called to preach years ago in, in the 60s and 70s. He wrote a book called Preaching and Preachers. But he emphasized this and made this statement. I'll share it with you. Our Lord performed miracles. But the interesting thing is that the miracles were not his primary work. They were secondary. He did not come into the world to heal the sick and the lame and the blind or to quell the storms on the sea. He could do those things and did so frequently. But these were all secondary. They were, are not primary. It was the preaching. It was a teaching of the Word of God. is what he was giving. I think he demonstrated that. I think he showed that to us. We have to see not only the priority but the place, but notice what else, the power. The results of his message. Look at verse 34. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak 
because they knew him. Healed many. Healed. Cast out. What's this? This is the results. This is the power of the gospel. Again, verse 39. At the end, it says, and cast out devils. And look at verse 45. Notice something. But he went out and began to publish it much. This is the healed leper that came to him and said, Lord, you can heal me. He says, I will be thou clean. But he published it much. And to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. Why? Because of the press of the people. Jesus wasn't about popularity. He wasn't trying to win a popularity contest. What were people thronging him about? The miracles, mostly. There were some in there that wanted to hear his message, and they were saved. They, they believed that this was their Messiah. Nevertheless, the multitude in general were thronging him because of the miracles. And he had told the leper not to publish it, and he did anyway. He was healed. He couldn't but help but sing the great news. But he couldn't go in the towns like he was. The priest of the gospel he had to go to desert places in order to speak to people because there was so much. He couldn't go in the houses, couldn't go in the streets because it was all packed. People couldn't get to him. What's that? That's the result of the power of the gospel. It changes people's lives. It still changes people's lives today. People still need the gospel. They still need Christ as their Savior. Why has it changed? It changes people because it changes their lives. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to, also to the Greek. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I love what Paul said in Philippians 3.10. It's my life verse. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death. The power of resurrection. You realize as a saved person you had the power, the glorious resurrection power of Jesus Christ living in you? Don't tell me you can't overcome strongholds. Don't tell me you can't overcome temptation. Yes, you can if you want to. Yes, we can if we want to. Any person who ever comes in contact with Jesus Christ, well, their lives are never the same. That's what we see here. Preaching and teaching the truth impacts the lives of people. It changes them. Why? Because God changes them. And not just to know the truth only. Jesus says, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But not just that, but that we would know God himself. This is God's revelation to man. So what's an instruction book? It's more than that. It's God revealing himself unto you and I individually as a corporate body, as all those wonderful things he gives us. So do we value that message that Jesus gave when he came out of the wilderness? When he came on to start to commence his earthly ministry, do we value the same message? Is it have to hold the same place? Not just because I say it does, but honestly in my heart it really does. And I want others to know it. I want others to be changed by it. I want others not to be sent to eternal hell 
and condemned there forever, dying in their sins because they refuse to take the good news, or I refuse to give it to them. See, if I'm not willing to make this a priority and make this my life, then maybe there's something about my life that's not in tune with God. Maybe there's something amiss in my life. Maybe I'm not spending the time, because I guarantee you this, you spend time in God's word and spend time with God. You allow him to speak to you, you listen to him. Not just pray, but you listen to him through his word. You're going to know how important it is. You're going to see it. Because really, in the pages of this eternal book, what we call God's word, the Bible, we find the bloodline of Jesus from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It's there. You can find it. That's important to God. It always has been. And I'll be important to us. May we bow our heads and together and close our eyes. I, like Pastor Tim, don't give long invitations if people don't respond. I believe that if a person's ready to respond, they're ready to respond. And I'm not up here to beat you down or guilt you into coming. Not at all. But I think if the Word of God's been open. It does speak. It does demand a response of us. Do you know Christ is your Savior? Are you here today? Do you know Christ is your very own Savior? Do you believe that He died, He was buried, and rose again for you? Have you ever made that your choice, your commitment, your salvation? He came for you. He came for the world. Yes, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But He came for us individually. Because nobody can get saved for anybody else. Nobody could die for anybody else. The only one who could do that was Christ. And if you have not chosen Christ as your Savior today, you need to come. Somebody here can show you how you can be saved today. You can have your sins forgiven. Nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would, please. Would it be anyone? I'm not going to come to you. Would you just raise your hand and say, I, I've never been saved. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. Would you just pray for him? Just slip your hand up real quick. So I can pray for you. All right. I don't want to assume everyone's saved, but we can make that choice at this moment because no one raised their hand, but that's fine. But here's the thing. If I'm claiming to be a Christian, do other people know it? Not just by your model, but by what you're preaching and teaching because you know we're, we're, we're preachers also we're to be given the message it's a priority it's places before the secondary things because it has power <clears throat> how am I doing I have to ask myself that I'll be honest I'm not doing as well as I should be how are you doing I'm not asking you if you've went out on soul winning visitation or visitation this past Saturday or this week. I'm asking you if you're willing just to give the gospel at any time to anybody you know who needs it. And even if you don't know that they need it, you give it to them anyway. Because Christ came into this world to save sinners. Like myself, like us, like everyone. How are you doing? Think about that. We have an invitation. If God's working in your heart, then just come up and pray. It's as simple as that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, Lord, what you've done for us and the blood, your life, the salvation, the eternal life, the sins forgiven, the pardoning, the justification.
so many things, Lord. We're thankful for all you do for us. Lord, I pray that you'll just move upon our hearts or if there's a decision that needs to be made. In Christ's name we ask all these things.